Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, I have such an interesting guest. Her name is Kat Carey. She's with Democrats Abroad. She's a military veteran. She's voted abroad in numerous elections. We're going to talk about the importance of Democrats Abroad and this upcoming election. But before we get into it. The Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup, and don't forget Forget. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Kat Carey of Democrats Abroad. Welcome to the show, Kat. Hello. Thank you, Kimberly. <laughs> I've been friends with the Democrats Abroad Twitter account for some time. So I'm kind of glad that I have the opportunity to talk to you today because here we all are in America. Now, I believe you're in Scotland, and we're going to ask, I'm going to get all the information about you in just a second. But you're abroad. And you're watching what's happening, and I don't. I have no idea what it is like for Americans living abroad watching what's happening. So I definitely want to find out. This is going to be so interesting to me. Um, but I just want to say, okay, I know the Democrats Abroad is the official Democratic Party for the millions of U.S. citizens living outside of the U.S., including 48 country committees worldwide. Now, first of all, where do you live? I live in Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh, wow. That's so cool. I'm jealous. I've always wanted to go to Scotland. Now, how long have you been there and why are you there? So I've lived here for just over six years. Um, Moved here officially visa purpose wise uh, to go to uni and to study Mm -hmm. Um, because I was in the military and so was my partner Mm -hmm. and both found out the GI Bill covers overseas tuition as long as it's like a legitimate uh, education. So right. we uh, both got into University of Edinburgh. So that wow. was that was one of the reasons. So um, the other reason is uh, we started to save for like two years before we actually moved here. Um, but I was pregnant with my daughter. Mm-hmm. My son was three or almost three. And we found out that there was like active shooter drills. Right even for five-year-olds, even for like a little Lutheran school my mom works at. And we started looking around and say, like, how do we, how do we escape the gun violence, Mm -hmm. basically? Mm -hmm. Um, So we saved for two years and figured out a way and we've been Hmm. here ever since. So just on a personal note, I've always had this like, and I'm intrigued by, uh, by where you are. So could you just explain what it's like to live there? What's different living there compared to here? outside of the gun violence (laughs) outside of the gun violence um well you can walk everywhere uh public transit's really really robust and and good buses are cheap they run on time there's a train Mm -hmm. if you want to go to like glasgow or something um but it's so i mean i one of my friends had said oh well i i live i don't live in an open air museum because and I was like, wow, that is a good yeah. way to describe Edinburgh because it's right. just gorgeous. Um, you know, I walk down the Royal Mile on my way to work wow. most days and on purpose, yeah. except when it's really busy because it's just so gorgeous. Wow. 
Wow. And I mean, is it, I imagine the healthcare is completely different? Yeah, it's all free. I mean, when you're an immigrant, you have to pay into the healthcare system, mm -hmm. but it's so little money compared to right. what you would pay just for a copay or a deductible um, in America. So, you know, free prescriptions, free NHS healthcare, free dentistry. Uh, the first time I went to the dentist, they're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so your free visit doesn't cover these x-rays. They'll be nine pounds, which is like, <laughs> right. you know, right now it's like $9. Yeah. But yeah, at the time it was like $15. And I was like, oh, wow. no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And um, it, it, would you say, okay, now for the Americans who get really nervous when they hear about universal health care and you know, uh, government health care, all that single payer. Can you explain to them why it's not as scary as they make it out to be? Well, first of all, like we do have plenty of free health care in America or close to free uh, in the if you're in the military, which I was mm -hmm. for 12 years, mm -hmm. or if you're on Social Security, a lot of your stuff is now imagine that but without arguing with with the people who write the bills mm -hmm. <laughs> you know if you take all that away um so it's i don't think people in america view that as scary in the mm -hmm. first place right exactly but when you start talking about state sanctioned healthcare, mm -hmm. the thing that's different is that they will not order you a full battery of tests every time you have a cold <laughs> they won't give you a pill every time mm -hmm. you feel like you need a pill, but it's very efficient and it's very, you know, it's not perfect, mm -hmm. of course, but right. it's very efficient and they make sure that you actually need the tests. Interesting. You know, um, my kids haven't been on, none of us have been on antibiotics in six years, you know, it's, <laughs> wow. you know, kind of crazy. Yeah. And, and what about your, the taxes? Well, so, you know, if you're here as a student, there's, you know, you get your GI Bill loans or whatever. And the thing is, I don't make enough to have to pay a ton in taxes. Mm -hmm. So oh, I, I might not be right, um, the it. best person to talk about because the, if I, I have a job here, if I, the money I make on there, I declare on my U.S. taxes. So if it was above and beyond a certain threshold right. then I would be paying but I've never made that much so gotcha <laughs> I, I don't know well yeah. thank you for uh just answering my personal questions just you know I, I've had family who's lived abroad and talked about uh, like a family brother lived in um, Italy but then he wound up marrying a woman who lived in England and he was saying the England uh, system is far superior and it's interesting because he is very middle of the road I mean he's liberal but he's conservative not conservative in a right-wing way but just you know certain he's conservative in some ways and that you know it's I, I asked him what would you prefer what do you prefer and he, he said absolutely the single-payer system so I just thought that was kind of cool um yeah. all right so, and actually so, England doesn't have free dentistry so oh it doesn't you know the Scottish NHS prides itself on yeah you know yeah. um yeah you have to pay for some prescriptions in England but in Scotland everything hmm. Is paid for. Wow. Now, do you think you're going to, last question is it's personal. Do you think you're just going to stay there or do you think you'll move around? I, I hope we'll stay. Hmm. Um, 
So 12 years in the Navy, I and I was never on a ship. I, I flew on P3s. Mm. Um, I went all around the world, and this is the favorite place, my favorite place I've ever lived. Wow. Um, my my partner and I both, I think, our entire adult lives moved around just because <laughs> of the nature of being in the military. Yeah. And and here it feels like the world comes through here. You know, every summer there's the Fringe Festival, and you get to see acts from all over the world come through and. <laughs> You know, it's just, you make friends that live on the mainland Europe and it's like going to Florida to your grandma's house. You go to visit your friends in Italy or France. Right. Uh, it sounds a lot fancier because it's Europe, but <laughs> um, I, yeah, I hope we won't leave, but the, uh, the immigration system in the UK is tough, so yeah. we, we shall see. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Okay. Now you mentioned that you are part of the Global Women's Caucus. Um, and that is connected to Democrats abroad. So could you explain what that is and what you do? Yeah. Um, so the Global Women's Caucus is like the official Democratic Party arm. So there's Democrats abroad, which mm -hmm. is, you know, it's its own kind of caucus. Like okay. in, in the primaries, like I voted instead of like for my state electoral votes, I voted for the overseas caucus. Okay if that makes sense. Um, but it's it's overseas voters that it's any U.S. citizen, even if you're a dual citizen, you, you have the right to vote. Mm -hmm. um, so you just vote for the, you know, the state that you're in. So we have different country teams. We have like a progressive caucus. There's a state teams. There's, you know, Hispanic caucus, global black caucus, seniors caucus, youth mm, caucus. Okay. Um, we're the women's branch. Gotcha. And so the women's branch, what, what is it that you guys do? Is it just about messaging? Yeah, I think that that's a good way to put it because it's not, I mean, men are invited to join, mm -hmm. you know, because it's, it's an open and inclusive spot. It's, it's about caring about women's rights. It's about caring about everyone's rights and wanting equity and justice for everybody. So it it is focused on issues that women either poll now either the data says now or that traditionally women have cared more about like obviously this this election term it's abortion rights mm -hmm. reproductive freedom yeah but there's other things like equal rights amendment mm -hmm. gun safety health care prescription drug prices cost of living all that kind of stuff i mean he's <laughs> Even though we say it's like more women's issues, it, it really is human issues human. when you get down to it. Yeah, because it affects all of us. I mean, women are the ones who have abortions, but men are affected. And when you're talking about the trans community, I mean, trans men can have abortions. So it does affect all of us. And it's about the economy. It's about bodil bodily autonomy. And, and then, you know, I mean, there's the, the story of a family you know, where the mother is working and the father is working and they have three kids and they can't afford anymore and she gets pregnant. And this is also about the father wanting to, um, you know, terminate a pregnancy. So yeah, absolutely. And, and I love that you said that because so much of the time, women's issues are looked at as women's issues as opposed, as opposed to human issues. And I think in most cases, it has to do with with everybody. Yes, maybe women, like I said, women will, will have that, that procedure, but all the rest of it affects all of us. So that's so important. Um, Absolutely. And then I wanted to, uh, now where you're living, 
I'm curious about <clears throat> what people. Okay, let's just start with this first question. What is the where you live the the common kind of view of the United States right now, specifically, you know, political view? What do people say about the United States? Um, I think a lot of people say, "Oh, Biden's not Biden's doing pretty good." A lot of people say that. Um, well, I, I think a lot of people <laughs> in Scotland really like that. He's so proud proud of his Irish roots, for <laughs> <Right>. example. Um, <laughs> and it really kind of helps get get it get it across that we're all Irish in America, yeah. even if we're not Irish. <laughs> like I'm not by heritage Irish, but I did have an Irish auntie yeah. for like. <laughs> A lot of years growing up so i mean there's so many connections yeah um i think that they're scared because america sets the tone right yeah. so in the ways of like the supreme court um overturning roe versus wade and and especially clarence thomas's uh opinion mm -hmm. or his whatever his attaboy to the opinion <laughs> um saying that interracial marriage or you know, birth control, privacy, uh, gay marriage, you know, all of these things are now on the table. Yeah. And even though there are different wedge issues here specifically, you know, abortion's a big wedge issue. This is us versus them. Mm -hmm. Here there's different wedge issues, but everybody recognizes just how dangerous it is that Roe versus Wade was overturned. Hmm. And they all think we're nuts because of the school shootings. <laughs> well, they're right. <laughs> um... Yeah. Although the majority of people in this country don't want it, so it's our government that's not doing what it needs to do, and hopefully we can change that. Now, what about this, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've been hearing, and it's been it's been amping up for some time, but there's all this anti, there's like anti-Semitic uh, rhetoric going on, and now, most recently, Kanye West said something about going DEFCON 3 or whatever it was on the Jews, and you know, mm. I, I said this, I have a show that's just for patrons, and I ranted a little bit today about uh, politics. And one of the things that I brought up is, you know, I'd, you know, I got really vocal into the political arena around 2012. And I could see as we were progressing through the Tea Party, that these, the ideology that was coming out was very much white supremacist. And it reminded me of, of, of Nazis. But at some mm -hmm. point, I don't remember what the dates were, but like, let's just say 2013, 2014, 15, if you would have even mentioned that a Republican was behaving like a Nazi or talking like a Nazi, you would have gotten kicked off of social media. You got to kick Facebook, whatever. Now it's now it's to the point where it's very clear what's happening, and we are seeing an uptick. Uh, it's very scary, of um, these kind of like Nazi propaganda talking points, and they're coming from people inside the government. Rachel Maddow actually did something. I think it was. Uh, I don't know if it was last night because I didn't. Was it last night? Yeah, last night. I didn't watch it last night. But it was recent that she did a uh, a thing about in the 1930s in America, there were Nazis in our government. And, you know, in 1939, mm -hmm. there was a rally in New York City, a Nazi rally. So are you seeing over there uh, people talking about it? Do you, And then also, do you see it happening? Do you see that kind of white supremacy taking root where you live? Oh, that's really interesting because it, it's different here there's still the same inequalities but it hides as class or like it it categorizes itself as classism instead of racism oh, because this country is so white right. so overwhelmingly white yeah um 
that and and then maybe the the people that are ethnic minorities are more um south asian instead of african mm -hmm. so it is quite quite different and and i'll say i don't think that they're calling americans nazis i think they think americans are nuts like <laughs> how could you how could you vote for that person because yeah. there's multiple parties you can vote for here and oh. actually just so you know in scotland i can vote in not in UK elections, but in Scottish elections in local councils, oh, like okay. anybody that's a legal resident can vote. So I've been paying lots of attention to that anyways, but um, there are a lot more choices that you can make. And, and people here don't quite understand the holding your nose and voting for the least bad option yeah. that Americans are just, you know, that's just like breathing to us. Wow. Wow. So the nuts thing, I mean, I get it. We are. Um, there, there is... I mean, everyone's nuts. Oh, it's we just all in what are. Way nuts. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, we've got this idiocracy thing going on. You know, I mean, when you take into account the decades of um, defunding education, not putting that money back in, and, you know, with, you know, Fox News and right wing radio, all these things add up to where we are right now, plus the internet, which the internet could be wonderful because here you and I are having this conversation and we're so far away and you sound like you're in the next room. And so there's some really amazing things that happen because of social media, but also, you know, I don't know if human beings are really ready for it yet because we seem to abuse <laughs> it. And it's like, um, yeah. it's kind of scary. Um, all right, we have to take a quick break, but we will be back after this message. Hey, this is Kimberly. Real quick, if you're not already a patron of the show, please check out patreon.com slash startmeup. You'll see all the different tier options. I would really appreciate it if you check them out and become my patron. You'll have my undying gratitude. Thanks so much. Okay, we're back. I would like to know, um, now you were, you were, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me go through my questions. I know you mentioned that when you um, were talking about the Global Women uh, Caucus, that you like to use humor. I would just want to kind of, I, I want to ask you about the, you know, you did say you focus on the, those particular abortion, ERA and all that. What do you think? And I just, I think this is kind of obvious, but just to drive it home, what is the importance of using humor? Uh, you mentioned that when, when you guys are talking about women's issues, what is the importance of humor? Or at least that's how you see it. I think that humor can be, sort of like music in a way that it can cut through an issue and it can get to people emotions like emotionally yeah, in a way point. that uh you might come over as too preachy or too aggressive or right. you know in or maybe too like idealistic but if you say something with humor kind of like if you can say something in a song lyric and put it to a good melody mm -hmm that can cut through and really it can speak to people. And also it gives us a break for our own mental health because it's not fun. It's not fun living overseas going, you know, my eight year old daughter is in the next room right now. She's an American citizen. Mm -hmm. We don't have permanent residency here. It's mm -hmm. a real threat. Um, so I think it's really important and it's not always, I mean, I, I love the, is that you, the, you know, kind of tweets where you, you take somebody's old sayings and you kind of show the hypocrisy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just kind of stuff like that right uh let alone our our feminist friday we always try to find a political cartoon that will that will work and th there's been a lot of good ones thank you all you political <laughs> cartoonists out there for being so fantastic at what you do 
Yeah, I mean, that I, I noticed when I got into politics, my very first um, entry was, a, you know, at least with people paying attention to me, was I wrote an open letter to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal slut because he had called Sandra Fluck a slut for three days on his <laughs> podcast or was radio show. And, you know, I mean, the whole point was to be sarcastic and funny. And that's really where I found my voice. And I think you, you really just said it so well because it's true. It, it could either come off as preachy. And, you know, I've talked about the ERA a lot. And it's something that I would... I was very emotional about because it pissed me off that it hadn't passed. Mm -hmm. And it pissed me off that if I wrote about it online, all I would hear, including from Democrats, was like, oh, it's never going to happen. We need to start over from scratch and et cetera. And, and I was so pissed at the idea of like, seriously, we have to fucking start all over again? <laughs> I don't think so. And, and so it's true that if you come from that, if all you have is anger and you don't do anything with it, it's not going to be received well. So yeah, I think it's, you're exactly right to compare it to music. That was such a perfect way to talk about well, it. Thanks. I, I do want to, you know how you said something about anger, you know how people say anger gets things done. Well, like, I don't think I make good decisions when I'm angry. So right. actually finding the humor in something yeah. and being able to calm yourself and kind of figure right. out where to, to regroup and, and go forward, I think is important too. Yeah, like first comes the anger, and then you kind of have to quiet yourself for a minute, and then you find the humor in it. And I mean, sometimes, sometimes I can immediately, like when it's Ted Cruz, I've already been so angry about him that I can just go straight to the humor and mock him and make fun of him. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's exactly it. And, um, you know, I totally agree. I think sarcasm and anger is, a per is such a great way, and especially I don't know how old you are. I'm a Gen Xer. And there's a recent poll coming out that Gen X were going to be voting Republican. But I'm not sure. It was only 800 people, so we're not all sure about this. But either way, Gen Xers are extremely sarcastic. And, you know, I certainly, I, I passed that test very early on um, with my sarcasm. <laughs> and so, you know. I I'm, I'm, a, I'm an elder millennial. I'm the very elderless, elderliest okay. <laughs> of the millennials. So we're probably similar in age. Right, right, right. Well, I'm 54. So um, I know when I was... I don't know how old I was. I was maybe like three or four and I was misbehaving. And so my mom says to me, Kimberly, you know, if you don't stop doing whatever, I'm going to smack your fanny so hard. And I just looked at her and I was like, what are you going to do? Crack it open. And I mean, she just laughed. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I was born with the sarcasm gene. Um, <laughs> I also want to switch over. You mentioned in our notes that we had back and forth you said that you've um, been a, a, a voter in many, several states in your lifetime, and I'm assuming you mean in America. And um, be yes, because of the nature of you being in the military, you said overseas voting has gotten a lot easier. It was very complicated in the early 2000s. So I'm wondering, how is it complicated and how, was, how has it gotten easier for, for people abroad? I mean, when I, I mean, I enlisted when I was 19, so I've been voting overseas. <laughs> You know, I, I've caught a few of them in town, but other than that, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, I enlisted right before September 11th happened and I lived in the Middle East right after it. So um, that was like my first set of elections is, you know, 20 years old living in, in Bahrain on the base. And, and you had to, I mean, they had stuff to try and help, but it was like you had to go get a piece of paper, you had to write something out, you had to mm -hmm. find all your ID and whatever, and then you had to find a stamp, mail it in, 
blah, blah, blah. You know, you could use the free mail system, but, you know, you never knew if it was going to get there in time. Yeah. And then you'd have to, like, get a paper ballot in the mail. And, you know, American ballots are American ballots. They're a nightmare. You have to do research <laughs> on them like they're a paper. Um, and then you have to turn it in. So, I mean, all that the the nightmare of a ballot is still there that you have to research if you want to yeah. be a responsible citizen. But um, being able to check your state's um, deadlines from your phone, being able to register on your phone, I can I can send my fact my vote in in Florida. I can I have my ballot right now in the email and I need to fax it back. Well, I can get an app on my phone that's a fax hmm. app and just do it wow. through there. That's so awesome. That does that does make it a lot easier. Just FYI, everybody, uh, we are on Zoom, and it canceled out, so we started a new one, and that's why there's a little break, but that's okay. So we were talking about how voting got easier for you, but then I also, and I think that's cool, I'm glad that it's gotten a lot easier, um, you also mentioned that the, the overseas vote has a significant impact on U.S. elections. Despite the fact that fewer than 15% of eligible voters, estimated 9 million, cast ballots in 2020, overseas ballots were key in the 2020 elections, especially Georgia, Arizona, New Hampshire, and New Jersey. And so you also mentioned the battleground states, Arizona, California, Georgia, blah, blah, blah. So I just want to talk a little bit about that, especially when you're coming from, you know, your point of view, Democrats abroad and everything. Um, sometimes these these elections are down to, you know, 100 votes and or, or two or 300 votes, like a small number. So what are, and, and what are the things, what's the importance of these battleground states to you as a, a Democrat abroad? Well, it's, I mean, it's important to me because I know Americans that live here and I'll, I'll kind of razz them, like, did you get your ballot? <laughs> you know, it's really easy yeah. because I, I have this guilt that, you know, what, what happens if they don't vote and right. it's close? Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I just... <sighs> I mean, I'm a Florida voter, so <laughs> I'm usually not like in the very, very thin minor mi right. minority. I was not a Florida voter in 2000. <laughs> wow. But uh, no, I was a Wisconsin voter in 2000. Okay. Um, so I, I really haven't seen, I, I know my partner and I were two of eight people in our county that voted for Obama in 2012. <laughs> wow. When the, when the uh, stats came back. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, and those battlegrounds... It was, states, I mean, it was North Florida. <laughs> of course it was. Um, these battleground states are so important. And I mean, I think it's just like, you know, we're just saying there's there's so... Sometimes these, these elections can come down to just a few people. So if you're outside of the country and you don't vote, yeah, you you can actually move an, move the needle and you can have an effect. So... <laughs> You know, I don't know how many people focus on the fact that there are, you know, Democrats living abroad and they actually, <laughs> their votes matter too. So I just think that's a good thing to point out. I, I, I think that usually the more you travel, the more open, open your mind mm -hmm. becomes just mm -hmm. by witnessing more things, which I True. think kind of makes people more likely to vote Democrat anyways. Like we're right. never looking to focus on a certain sector to, to try and get them. We're just trying to find anyone, yeah. anyone to register and vote because it's difficult. A lot of people are students and they don't have the time, you know, or yeah, as easy as it is, they don't think that that's something 
Yeah. You know, does an 18 year old think they're enfranchised? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I had the opportunity. I try and convince them. <laughs> I tried to, or I mean, I had the opportunity to live abroad uh, when I was 12, so I was not a voting age, but I lived in communist Russia in 1981. So I did get to see what it was like to live in basically an autocracy and com communism. And so obviously it's important to me. And even that, even that experience was not enough for me to become politically, uh, in I mean, I was engaged in that I was voting at least because in, I believe my first election was 1991. That was Bill Clinton. I was in my early 20s. I was not voting at 18, that's for sure. Um, but I, I did realize when I lived in Russia what patriotism meant. I understood that concept because it was really like living in a police state, living in communist Russia. And, but even that wasn't enough to really convince me at 18 years old to say, oh, I really need to exercise my right to vote. Fortunately, I did get it when I was younger and I did vote, but I wasn't really paying attention. And the main reason is because things were easy for me. I could get birth control. If I wanted abortion, I could get one. I lived in California at the time. And so, you know, I mean, it was very blue. And I just, you know, I was growing up watching all the sitcoms that told me that we were a progressive country. And the funny thing was, it's when Ronald Reagan was president and you know but i always i always go back to there's two shows that i specifically remember family ties episode where the family got a gun and it freaked them out and then they did like a psa on gun violence at the end of the show and then uh different strokes when mr drummond belonged to a hoity-toity um uh i can't remember what it, you know like a something club and i can't remember the name but it, like it, a country club? Country or club. A... Thank you, thank you. That's what it was, country club. And of course, it's like all white people. And so his two sons wanted to come in, and of course, they were little black boys, and they wouldn't let them in, and Mr. Drummond was all pissed off, and I guess he quit the country club. But that message was like, hey, we're not going to put up with racism, and we're not about gun violence, and, you know, I it was free to be you and me, and um, I, I just assumed that by now we would have had several different women as presidents black women asian whatever you know not white 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 not white. who cares i just figured we would I, have a divorce more diverse country i grew up in a very different america than you wow really <laughs> so did you that now that's interesting because there was like i said there was just this poll that came out interviewing gen xers and i okay you're not quite a gen xer but you're very close so what was the america that you experienced I think so I'm 40 just to put so we can compare right, right, you know right. the time frames a little bit so um almost 41 next month um happy birthday <laughs> thank you um I yeah all I want for my birthday uh, but I grew <laughs> I know, up in Wisconsin really. <laughs> and I think it's kind of that upper midwest almost Canada hmm. area hmm. I mean and Wisconsin is always my whole life has been quite 50-50 split like it could go one way or the other mm -hmm. each election period uh even if you think it's really a you know everybody I know is Republican or everybody I know is Democrat there there is a mix yeah. um so my my father is very uh I won't say right wing because that's not the right way to put it he's very conservative he doesn't mm -hmm. like things to change mm -hmm. he believes abortion is wrong and he doesn't think too much about it mm -hmm. past that, mm -hmm. right? But my my mom and and her family, so my mom's parents were very young, 
farm family. Um, my grandpa likes to still to this day tell people at his church in Florida that Jesus is a socialist. <laughs> it's great. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were big like worker, like trade union mm-hmm. supporter, workers union supporting family. Like we wouldn't shop at Walmart because they didn't allow their workers to unionize. And, mm. and we knew which places we could go to where they allowed their workers to unionize. Mm-hmm. My uncle's still an iron worker. I have a cousin who's a plumber still, you know, it's just our, our way. And mm-hmm. I think that like in every farming generation, like if there was a second son, they went and worked for city hall. Mm-hmm. Like my great aunt was a city hall clerk and and all that kind of stuff. Um, so each generation, there was at least one person and it was kind of like, you do your duty, mm-hmm. you have to go vote. Uh, my mom, I've never seen her as angry as when my dad told my sister when she was, I think she was 17 because her birthday is November 6th. So it's at one of those weird times. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, if you don't vote for Bush, don't bother voting. That's W Bush. And wow. my, I've never <laughs> seen my mom so furious. She was like, you don't say that that is one of the wrongest things you could ever it was like he threatened to murder her wow like my mom was that angry she's like you don't tell people how to vote you can tell them to vote Mm -hmm. and we teach our kids that they have to vote Mm -hmm. but we don't tell them how to vote (laughs) wow good for your mom so i had a very mixed (laughs) upbringing yeah when it came to that Wow. Yeah. I mean, my mom was always very liberal and, um, you know, I mean, progressive even. And my father's liberal. My father is, it's funny, my father worked for ABC News and he was, you know, following, I think he even, I think he was on George W. Bush's campaign trail. I know he was on, um, I'm trying to, what, was he on Clinton? I know he was on the Clinton campaign trail and, but he's done a lot of them. So I don't even know, but it's funny because, you know, for the longest time, he made fun of me for not paying attention. And now I'm like a junkie. <laughs> He's probably sick of hearing about it, but I can't help it because it, especially these days, you know, you mentioned people where in Scotland are, are, are scared. And of course they're right to be scared. I'm scared too, because I don't know, you know, what to expect. Now, let me ask you this, as far as what you're paying attention to, what you're hearing, what I'm hearing, I mean, first of all, what you're going to hear from traditional talking heads, pundits who are just going to go with historical precedents, oh yeah, the Democrats are going to lose the House. But that's not necessarily what's happening. I knew striking row down was going to wake up, you know, a sleeping giant, and I believe it has. Is it going to be enough to make the difference? We'll find out. But I don't believe this is going to be a typical election, a midterm election. Now, there's this guy named Christopher Boozy, who I follow. He's been on the show several times. He runs something called Bot Sentinel, and he's looking at different polls, and he was, he does believe that we're going, the Democrats are going to keep the House, but he thinks it's going to be a nail-biter, and he also said that this is not going to be your typical election. So, as somebody watching from another country, what is your takeaway so far from what's happening in this race and what is your, I don't know, gut, your head, whatever telling you is going to happen in November? When I look at what's happening, I think of Kansas and Mm. how they thought for sure, for (laughs) sure, voters in that deep red state would vote to outlaw abortion or Mm -hmm. to put it in their constitution that, and and look at what happened. Mm -hmm. 
So while uh, my head is looking at the things that say, well, Democrats probably can't hold both. You know, there's mm-hmm. a very small chance of that. And then, you know, what's more important, the House or the Senate? You know, mm-hmm. my head is doing all those cal- calculations and my heart is saying, you know, it maybe it's good it's this close. Maybe it's good to be worried mm-hmm. because it's achievable and it's an achievable right. goal. And yeah. it really motivates me to get out there. I try not to think about it too much you know like <laughs> i am god i hope bell demings wins I know. you know i just oh oh my god and then there's herschel walker oh my god it's like i can't oh, i can't I even believe these people it, it, it's insanity it's just insanity what's happening and you know uh, the uh, as i was saying earlier you know when when people were i wasn't the only one but people who were recognizing the parallels between the Republican Party and, and white supremacy and all of that, you know, back, the, the KKK has been around, there has always been a certain group of people in this country who either want authoritarianism or uh, white supremacy, but they were outnumbered. And for the longest time, they were considered fringe and they weren't allowed to be vocal about their racist views. And Trump came along and he opened that door and said, go ahead, do it. And, it, you know, obviously they were doing it to a degree. But, for instance, I live in Maryland and my boyfriend and I were going to go visit somebody who lives in Virginia. And so I believe we were on the 90, on 95. I say the 95 because I'm from California and say the in front of every <laughs> number there. But you don't say it on the East Coast and I'm still getting used to it. So I was on 95. And we saw this massive, massive Confederate flag. And, you know, again, I, now I was from Maryland. I grew up here. I was here until I was nine, moved to L.A. in 1977. And basically with, you know, I lived in Russia when I was 12 for a little while. But outside of that, I was in California until 2009. And, you know, of course, there's racism in California. There's, you know, there's definitely places like Bakersfield. And, and you go, the more inland you go, you're definitely going to see more right-wingers and, and the, the Confederate kind of stuff. But, you know, it's basically living in L.A., you don't see that. And so it, it was shocking to me to, you know, you see confle- Confederate flags everywhere. But mm-hmm. it was massive. It was such a huge flag. I don't know how big it was, but it was so big. It was bigger than just your normal flag that you might see waving in any kind of open space where it would have to be big enough for everybody to see it. It was so huge. And it's just so... I think I've driven down that same stretch. <laughs> just really upsetting. And I, you know, I feel like I don't, I don't know what to make of this because, you know, either we're, we're going to stop it or we're not going to stop it. And it's going to play out again. The, the differences back in the day in Nazi Germany, we had, you know, it was America and France and all these countries fighting against this. Who's going to join us? We're the biggest military in the world. Who's going to come to, you know, our defense when, if and when this takes over? And that's, that's the scariest possible thought I have. But as a, demo, and I, you know, I mean, I'm not looking at you as you're an expert. I, I really like the fact that you are somebody living abroad with your particular experience and you have your perceptions and do you feel like if if america is let's just say worst case scenario happens where does that put you uh as an expat and you mentioned that you don't feel like you have complete security over there because you you know the immigration and all of that 
what happens if, you know, because it's my understanding, if the Democrats lose the House but and hold the Senate and even grow the Senate, I, I feel that the country is basically over anyway because they're going to impeach Biden. They're going to impeach. I mean, he won't get kicked out, but they'll impeach the vi- vice president. They're going to obstruct and they're going to insert their they're going to insert the electors that will throw the election to the right wing extremist in 24. I don't feel that's hyperbole, but um, just that's how I see it. Now, if that's the case and everything I just say, you know, just said comes to pass, where does that leave Americans abroad? That's a very huge question. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> um, I think that um, one thing that it's an odd position because you have all a lot of the disadvantages of being an immigrant or a white immigrant. In my case, you know, I'm not going to pretend that white privilege doesn't exist. Yeah. But there's all these other things that they think, oh, you're an American, so you must be, you must be rich or you must be this mm. or that. Like, you mm. must never worry about money. You know, we're, we're never going to be refugees somewhere else. Yeah. You know, we don't have an out. Um, wow. I know a lot of people, I mean, this isn't only overseas. Like, I used to live in Hawaii. That's, mm-hmm. um, I was stationed out there for five years. It was glorious. But I, I know people who have moved to, Italy or move, you know, tried to move from Italy and, and Hawaii back to the mainland. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were back. They were back within like six months because they were like, this just isn't, I can't handle it. <laughs> you know, it, and it's not, I mean, I moved over here when Obama was president. No. You know, it, I looked pretty smart living over here before <laughs> Trump got elected. Um, it was all happenstance, you yeah. know, but. Um, where does that leave? I mean, it's easy for me to say, like, I, I want to stay living here. I at right. least want my kids to have dual citizenship and have that much more opportunity. Yeah. Um, part of why we moved here so they could have European citizenship right. and have half the world as their oyster. But, you know, that hap- that's not happening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we moved here in 2016, right after the Brexit wow. vote. Wow. Um, there's other things happening. I mean... It scares me because there's things happening in Poland, mm-hmm. Hungary, Italy just elected mm-hmm. a right-wing mm-hmm. um, prime minister. There's some really disturbing stuff cropping up in Germany. Like, yeah. the the people in power aren't there, but there is at least enough of this dissent. In, in Germany, there's a lot of anti-vaxxers, hmm. um, educated, well-spoken anti-vaxxers. It, it blows my mind. So it's just this trend of you can't have it easy for too long so i never look at something as something that i will abandon the the fight is never over it's not a fight with an end goal Mm -hmm. you know life doesn't have an end goal nothing's gonna stop existing if we win this one election there'll be the next one coming up so i don't know some people find that depressing but i find that very (laughs) heartening and motivating that you know the sun's gonna rise again and we just got to keep doing our best that's I mean, true. we could take lessons from this, from the people who uh, wanted to overturn Roe. Look at how long they worked. True. Exactly. Look at how long they strategized. Like, yeah. we need to take their lessons, not their values. Right. But we need to figure out how we can look at the long game that way. That's so true. Wow, that's such a good point. And, yeah, I mean, I hope it doesn't come to that, but I guess we shall see. The last question I have for you, and this is going back to the feminism, um, where you live 
uh, what is what do you see in terms of equality and feminism over in Scotland? Well, there's some good news and bad news, like like <laughs> everywhere else. Um, the the Scottish Parliament. I'm I'm lucky enough to work at Scottish Parliament. Um, they're half. I, I think 48 percent, so almost half of the elected parliamentarians they're msps members of scottish parliament almost exactly half are women oh wow which is amazing yeah right um they just elected the two there was two women of color elected this this last in 2021 mm -hmm. they have elections every five years so it was the that's kind of like behind that's pretty right. far behind but they yeah. got two in um, one of the leaders of the, one of the parties is um, a man of, I don't know if he's Indian or Pakistani heritage, South Asian heritage. Okay. So in that way, it's good, but we always have to look out for thinking that you never want to think you're good enough, right? Mm -hmm. Here we're fighting for buffer zones around abortion clinics so people don't get harassed mm -hmm. on their way to get birth control or get an abortion yeah. or get an IUD right. or, you know, um, and that actually the people that are coming, there have been an increase of vigils or we call them targeted harassment of people holding up signs and they're shipped in, they're funded quite openly by groups in the US. There's wow. groups in the US saying that Jeez. we will sue um, whatever, I mean, Northern Ireland try, has tried to legislate this, Scotland is trying to, I think England and Wales voted today that they wanted buffer zones around all abortion clinics, hmm. uh, like 150 meters or something. So it's like, you know, you have your protest area way yeah. out away yeah. from where you can't bother somebody. <laughs> right. Um, but there are right-wing religious groups in the U.S. saying, we are going to take our money and take Jeez. all of you to court and oh sue God. you into <sighs> eternity, uh, which is why they've been kind of reluctant to do that. Yeah. Um, the the big wedge issue here, the the thing that, really it keeps me up at night not really on because i want it to keep me up at night but sometimes the internet trolls get to me so badly um there's a lot of the wedge issue here is trans rights mm -hmm. and whether trans women are women mm -hmm. um and to me i mean it's it's like this classist thing mm -hmm. it it's wealthy and, and you know wealthy white women got us the vote so all the suffragettes and suffragists mm -hmm. were wealthy white women mm -hmm. but um there's women who think that feminism is about women having advantages and not about all of us lifting each other up yes. so that we all have equality mm -hmm. um it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around it's hard for many americans to wrap my head are around here mm -hmm. but i see it creeping back up in the u.s so yes. everything kind of goes in cycles um, I, you know, I'm a cisgendered woman. I, I'm pretty typical, you know, for people probably would guess my age and, mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, but people have abused me online. They abuse everyone. Yes. I, I mean, I have a really good friend who's a trans woman who, uh, runs a rape crisis center and she just gets hounded to death because they think... Imagine. They, they misgender her. They, mm -hmm. they say these horrible things to her. Um, and it's just really sad to watch somebody so brave and strong and kind and wise go through it. Yeah. No. And I can, I mean, it's funny because living in Southern California, I, 
I mean, it's not that I met or knew so many transgendered people, but I knew quite a few and I would see them around. And, um, you know, I mean, it was funny because I used to work, I sold industrial chemicals and I worked basically in a man's world, you know, it was maintenance men. And there was this one city yard that I used to visit and frequent and there was a, a trans woman and it was, and she was in process, I think, of, you know, all of it, taking the hormones. I don't know exactly. We didn't talk a lot about it. I knew her and we would say hi and have little chats. And, you know, she'd always tell me, I'd ask her how she was doing. She's like, I'd be better if I had a cocktail. That was like her, her famous oh. line. But, um, you know, and I know that the people who worked with her had to go through a training you know, I mean, basically you're talking about guys, they were repairing police cars and things like that. So she, that's where she worked. And it was, it was so, um, it was strange to see in that environment, but you know, initially, like when I first walked in, because I think, I think initially she was growing her hair out and I think for a while she wore a wig, but she would always have her fingernails done. And I always thought, how the hell do you have, I can't, I couldn't even wear fingernail polish as a, as a sales rep just because every once in a while something would get on them and mess them up. And I thought, how do you fix cars with like red nails? I just never, (laughs) I think I asked her that and I can't remember what she said, but it was like, you know, and, and fortunately everybody was cool and, and it was unusual to see that initially, but it just became, you know, regular. I just, I, Every time I went there and dropped off whatever I needed to do, talk to the guy I needed to talk to, there she was, and we would be friendly. So it was something for me that over time, it was never like weird to me, but it was unusual to see it at first. And then, you know, you just start seeing it more and more. I mean, I was in Hollywood and I, I saw all kinds of shit in Hollywood and you just, <laughs> it just becomes part of your regular life. And it's, it's no longer foreign. It's no longer different. It's just, a, you know, it's just somebody else and they're doing their thing. And it, it just really blows my mind that so many people have such a problem why who cares why does this bother you I I mean this is a whole nother conversation but it's just it's just just don't be an asshole that's it that's all you gotta do don't be an asshole asshole. (laughs) just let people live I mean as long as they're not hurting anybody you know there there is that whole argument that you know these right-wingers like to talk about the children and obviously I'm going to go back to the same idea of abortion if a doctor you know, if, if, if a doctor is examining you and you guys are all talking and the doctor's like, yeah, sure, you can do this, then go with what the doctor says, not with what the politician says, not with what some podcaster thinks about it. Let's just do what the doctor says. You know, it's like there's a kid and the kid's like, I know I'm a man or I'm a woman or whatever it is. It's not up for fucking right-wingers to decide what, how they live their life. It's, God, it just makes me so angry. <laughs> Oh, no, I get you. Like, it's all about bodily autonomy. So it does. Mm -hmm. It all ties in because I think the first time I really met trans women, trans people was when um, I lived in Florida and they were trying to say, like, women who are nursing must go into the toilets, but trans women are not allowed in the toilets. So, again, that was about bodily autonomy. Yeah. So, like, we're natural allies, all of us, you know. And um, I work with a few non-binary people who could very well need abortions, Mm -hmm. but they are not women. And they are very hurt by language that disincludes them from something that they very much may need. Yes. And it's like, what difference does it make? It's language. It's not taking anything away from somebody. It's just giving another person 
I don't know. It's giving them the value, their value uh, of, of a human. It's just, it's just, it's, it's beyond. And it's really sad. And it's not at all surprising. And I wish, I wish human beings would stop. I, you know, I, I don't know that we really do learn from our mistakes. I've always used the, um, like the, I, I say that a baby or a young person, a little person is always going to want to touch the heat, touch the flame. You're going to say, don't touch that. It's hot. But they're going to touch it because they don't know. And so it's like each generation, each new person that's born, they don't know. They need to touch that fire. They need to touch that hot thing to go, oh. So we just keep repeating shit over and over again. It's like, I wish just we could in just slightly learn slightly different from ways. It. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know we do learn from, from some of our past mistakes, but it seems like we just keep repeating. I mean, this whole Nazi thing, it's extremely um, unsettling to me that this is happening. It's just so scary. And I hope that we can figure our way out of this and... You know, as, as I said, that was the last question I had for you. So before I let you go, I just want to know, I do know you said um, in your notes to me that it was very important that um, people on Twitter follow Democrats abroad. So before, you know, we go into our goodbyes, will you just talk a little bit about that importance and then maybe where we can find you on Twitter on the Democrats abroad? Oh, yeah, wonderful. Um, so one of the things that I think people who are terminally online like I am and, and me. maybe you are too <laughs> yes. yeah um is that you are in a bubble right mm -hmm. you are in all these algorithms work out and and even if you try and turn off all the settings they still get you because it's just the time you're awake mm -hmm. um a lot of the democrats broad accounts we do our best but we a lot of the times we're kind of talking to ourselves mm, okay. so if you know of like so I live in Scotland or if people live in the UK if there's people who live anywhere in Europe you know actually we need more people that are in Asia and Africa and South America we we definitely need more voices mm -hmm. we need to know like are there famous Americans living abroad like people of influence obviously mm. the diplomats can't get political but we need to find Mm -hmm. people like here bernie sanders brother lives in england hmm. um bonnie greer who's a playwright and chicago girl who you know she's wonderful mm -hmm. she's very involved and, and will help circulate our stuff these are people who have an audience outside the political realm so and if you are somebody who has that audience outside the political realm get in touch with us because we'd love to like share your stuff and and vice versa because it's all about reaching as many people as we possibly can so then, okay, I know that there's like Dems Abroad is the main Twitter. It's like Dems Abroad is the Twitter handle. And then there are yes. individual uh, countries that like say Dem, what would it like in Scotland? What is it? Is there a, is there a, a Twitter handle for that one? Well, so there's the UK one. Okay. Uh, I'll just go with that one because okay. that one's very active. I don't think the Scotland one is active. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Sometimes there's a couple for each country too. It gets uh okay, so Dems Abroad UK. Okay. Got it. So D E M S Abroad UK is that. Okay. And then is um, there, let me ask you this, is there a Dems Abroad website? Yes, yes. Um well um don't let me forget to tell you about the Global Women's Caucus. Oh, okay, that's right. <laughs> so that's where you right. can find me, where it will be me personally tweeting at you. <laughs> there's other there's other people working the account, but I, I'm the the Twitter person. Uh, it's at D A Women's Caucus. 
So DA like Democrats Abroad Women's Caucus. I'm going and following it right now. If I don't know, yeah. Wonderful. There you go. Okay, good. All right. Um, Democrats Abroad, where you can find, you can sign up or you can find all the information, all the different countries we've got. Gosh, we got 60 something countries, I think. Okay. Um, and then we have all the different caucuses. It's just democratsabroad.org. Perfect. And then, yeah, so you can find everything on that link. And then what is your personal Twitter handle? My personal Twitter handle is um, Kat, K-A-T underscore Carrie, C-A-R-Y, four letters. I'm not Mariah as much as I <laughs> pretend to be at Christmas. Um, that's so funny. Uh, I will include the DA Women's Caucus in the Patreon link to the show. But just in case, if you're listening on iTunes or another, you know, Stitcher, again, that's DA Women's Caucus. So uh, find it on Patreon, find it on Twitter. And then, of course, I'm author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. My books are on Amazon and Kat. It was really fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thanks so much for having me. All right, well, you take care.